everyone. Welcome back to the Time Shifters podcast. This is Christopher right here in studio, and I am once again with Matt Flynn. Matt, welcome back. Thanks. We had an awesome discussion last time talking about TV uh, to film adaptations and stuff, and we picked a couple movies we're going to talk about in the next couple weeks, which I think is also going to be fun. Uh, before we get into all that, though, I guess we should uh, let people or remind people how to get a hold of us if they want to do so. We didn't get any new emails or anything this time. But in case you wanted to write an email, you can send that to timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com. You're welcome to join our Facebook group. And you can follow us on Twitter at Movies at the Mat and at TimeshiftersPod. Uh, let's see, what else is there? Oh, the Tea Public Store. I think I put a link in the show note last time <laughs> i was Maybe. going to but i don't know if i did there'll definitely be one in this one there's a tea public store we can go and you can buy some merchandise with our logo on it so you can kind of share with the world your uh, your your fandom of the podcast which would be great we do have uh like i said didn't have any emails or feedback or anything really uh but we do have some news some big news since the last time we recorded and this went quick so i don't even think it was really even in the i hadn't even heard about it prior to us recording and then like within the two weeks after we recorded bam disney buys fox entertainment or a good portion of it, most anyway. of it most of it that was uh something yeah <laughs> it was on a fast track that was pretty wild i think it sold for a little over 53 billion i think is what the number was jump change for disney yeah well exactly <laughs> very interesting i was listening to some uh, some news stories on it on the radio and stuff and it sounded like, you know, Rupert Murdoch, who was, you know, the controller, the owner of uh, the Fox and everything, um, felt that you either needed to go big or go home in today's market. And uh, Disney agreed. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So Murdoch uh, maintains Fox News and Fox Sports and I guess uh, some of the other networks that they own. But as far as the entertainment, the all the, the television library, the film library, it's now all under Disney's umbrella. Yeah. Which that's a lot of stuff and right. amazing. I mean, you know, superhero fans I'm sure are kind of little giddy because now X Men, Fantastic Four, Deadpool, Avengers, everything is now under the same studio or right the at, same company. And right after they brought Spider Man back, yeah, so they have all of their characters. Um, I actually have been hearing about this for a little bit. I, I I've been hearing about it for about a month because um, maybe like a month ago. They were saying, oh, Disney's trying to acquire uh, Fox and 21st Century Fox, and then it fell apart, and then everyone just assumed that was it, it wasn't happening, and then it came back, and it came back really fast. It didn't just come back of they're trying again, it came back of it's hey, about to happen. Yeah, we're going to do this. Yeah. So I'm a little mixed on it. Um, because on one hand, I keep thinking how many people are going to lose their jobs. Yes, true. And so that kind of bums me out, and I, I try not to ignore that side of it. But I can't control that. Mm -hmm. So on the on, on the other hand, I am excited for all of those things that they brought in. And then I just keep thinking, like, in the last decade, look at what everything, like, Disney's acquired. They acquired Marvel Studios. They acquired yeah. Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And now they're acquiring 21st Century Fox. And that's kind of insane how much they can put under one umbrella. And a lot of people are have been pointing out, you know, Marvel Studios has really released nothing in terms of a timetable of what is coming out post the fourth Avengers movie. Mm -hmm. We've got the third one coming out, um, you know, middle of next year. Is this why, maybe? Right. And people are thinking, like, does something happen with, like, this Infinity War? Does something happen after the fourth movie that 
that's what starts the mutant gene. That's what, you know, brings, you know, Reed Richards in the Fantastic Four. And because I'm sitting there going like, hey, maybe the fourth Avengers movie, because Infinity War sees a lot of heroes die, people fall, Tony Stark is still alive and he doesn't know what to do. So he's going to turn to an old friend, turn, you know, rival because maybe he wronged the guy and it was Reed Richards. It's oh, like, nice. this is the one person who's smarter than me who knows how to like solve these so kind of problems. He's just going to boot the now expandable universe. Yeah. yeah. And things like that. And you're going to see, you know, maybe Charles Xavier walks in and, you know, any number of things can happen. Maybe it was all happening in the background. Maybe we're saying, nope, this is like day one of the mutant gene. And who knows? When the, the Fantastic Four family launch in their rocket and, if, you know, is, is Tony Stark going to be down there at Mission Control? Right, <laughs> exactly. Is that what's going to lead to these kinds yeah. of things? You know, and I'm excited not just for the heroes that it brings in, but for the villains. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. so after Thanos, is Galactus, Galactus the next problem? Yes, a real Galactus, not just a cloud. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, does this mean we get to see, like, a good Doctor Doom? And Because Marvel has done a great job of embracing the comic book element, whereas all of, like, the previous Fantastic Four movies, they don't really do that. So are we going to get to see the real comic book version of Doctor Doom mm -hmm. in this Marvel Cinematic Universe? Are we going to see the real, you know, world eater Galactus? <laughs> Things like that. That's what I'm just sort of like, okay. Because yeah. Marvel's kind of had a little bit of a problem with villains. Mm -hmm. Let's bring in the real big gun villains and see what they can do. Yeah, interesting. Hopefully not make them look like Power Ranger villains. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be exciting. I mean, there is... I guess there is that fear of if everything's under one roof and being worked on by these, you know, same people, does it become a little, um, the one's the same as the next, um, yeah. you know, does it cut down on the, on the, on the variety and the, and that could be applied, but I, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, the studios that, that are under the, under the umbrella still exist. The people right. will still be working in these studios. So hopefully yeah, it's just it's just who signs the paycheck. Hopefully, yeah, you know? and and it could be good paychecks. Right. <laughs> I guess is what it boils down to. Yeah, and I wonder if it's also the, of them thinking like, well, you know, we're trying to like send off our original Avengers style cast. We're trying to like, you know, we're kind of not done with them, but it's like, you know, how much more can we keep getting out of these actors and these right. characters? But the superhero genre is not done with, right? Yeah. So oh, sure. it would be great that this next wave is, you know, a bit of a refresher, at least in terms of our universe. Universe. And then they also get the benefit of like, all right, we've seen what not to do. Mm -hmm. We see what people don't respond to with the X-Men and with Spider-Man. Because for me, Spider-Man Homecoming is my favorite Spider-Man movie. You know, I don't want to take anything away from like some of the highs of, of like the, the Tobey Maguire ones, but mm -hmm. we know where the lows are. Yeah. And I, they kind of avoided those things. They, they prevented those mistakes. Like, we know where the lows are with the X-Men movies. Yeah. They know what to avoid. So I think that would be interesting if they go that route. I think this move, too, probably helps. I mean, Disney's wanting to do their own streaming service. Yeah. And <laughs> this really gives them a lot of content to put on that service. Where, immediately. <laughs> yeah, immediately. Yeah, where before it was going to be, okay, we got the Avenger movies and lots of uh, animated cartoons. Now there's just so much stuff right. at their disposal. Mm -hmm. Makes me kind of rethink wanting to get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, it's not just Disney movies. It's all of that stuff. Exactly. Depending on really what they put up there, what to offer, they could rival Netflix as far as the amount of content. Yeah. 
at least you know as far as just numbers of things that are there available to watch <laughs> right and it makes me wonder how much is going to get pulled from netflix because it sure, was just like oh sure. disney's pulling all of their stuff well now this includes all of their stuff and i'm just sitting there going like how many things are under that umbrella that i don't even realize <laughs> and uh, are we going to get the uh the fox fanfare in front of the next star wars film yeah, it'll be uh, interesting to see how this all um, pans out and what happens. Then with everything with the um, – try not to get political on the podcast, but with everything with the, uh, the FCC and net neutrality and mm-hmm. streaming services and everything, it all kind of starts tying in together. And, well, none of it's going to – neither one is going to happen overnight. Right. Um, it'll be curious to see how it all shakes out in the, in the end. I guess that's it. Do we have any other news? I don't think anything else has come up. There I mean, were a few you things. You always got something. Well, there were a few things that you posted that I thought was interesting about mm. the uh, the 4K restoration for the Dark Crystal. Oh, right. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then there was the other one um, they are putting back into theaters, I think, for a limited run that you also posted about. Now, well, the Dark Crystal is actually going to be in the theaters for a limited time, which I thought was exciting. I haven't watched the Dark Crystal Probably since it originally came to like VHS kind of thing, I mm. uh, haven't watched it since. And honestly, this would be a kind of a great excuse to revisit it. You know, if you're going to do it, go you, go big and go home. Right. And <laughs> I actually home. haven't seen that movie, so I think that really? would be like a good first remember, watch for me. Well, it would be interesting. It's beautiful to look at. I mean, it's a Jim Henson creature shop, and it's just all the stops are pulled out. Huge sets, amazing uh, uh, puppets and and actor, you know, suit animation kind of stuff um but i I found the the story to be a bit slow Mm -hmm. is what i remember yeah um but it it's it's beautiful to look at and the idea of seeing this you know digital uh, restoration on the big screen uh okay yeah i'll I'll bore me fine but i want to see it because it's going to be pretty (laughs) just just watch it on mute (laughs) just put some earplugs put some earplugs in the other, uh, not in theaters, but the 4K restoration of Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. Yes, uh, which was overseen by George Romero before he passed away. Yeah. So this is going to be coming out on uh, Blu-ray. And so this will probably be the first time I've actually paid for Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> <laughs> Being that it's the, the famous, you know, public domain hit. <laughs> right. Um, this will be the first time I, I've already got it pre-ordered. Uh, oh, wow. As soon as I've heard the news, I went ahead and pre-ordered. So it's going to be kind of like a, a birthday present to myself. Very nice. Uh, yeah, because that's, that's going to look really good. And it's got, I think, everything that's ever been produced on a VHS or DVD of Night of the Living Dead is going to be packaged with this Blu-ray. I think it's like a big two-disc set. Nice. And there's a, just lots of um, all the interviews and behind the scenes and documentaries or whatever that have been done over the years all condensed into one package. So I think that's a criterion is the one putting yeah. it out. So they always, I mean, they never just. They want everything. They never just dump and run uh, when it comes to their Blu-rays. So that should be really good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I think I'll go out and get that too. All right, well, that is going to do it then. I think we'll take a little break, and when we get back, we're going to talk about 2010's The A-Team. C-3PO. Loki. Mace Windu. Dr. Bruce Banner. Captain Rex. Venom. Princess Leia. Jean Grey. Darth Maul. 
Nick Fury, Grand Moff Tarkin, Captain America, Lando Calrissian, Cyclops. What do all these characters have in common? Well, two of them were played by Samuel L. Jackson. A couple of them were played by Hammer Films veterans Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. Come on, guys. You know this. Well, of course we do, Jessica. Just like Mickey Mouse and Captain Jack Sparrow, they're all now Disney characters. Hello, I'm Tracy of the Disney Indiana Podcast, and my co-host Scott and I enjoy talking about all aspects of the House of Mouse, and that includes their newest properties, Marvel and LucasArts. We also talk about Disney resorts, the cruise line, theme parks, and whatever else Mickey has to offer. Which includes movies, imagineering, video games, and collectibles. You'll never know what we'll decide to talk about. So check us out at www.disneyindiana.com or do a search for the Disney Indiana Podcast on iTunes. Because now we've got a lot more to talk about. And don't forget about those other quote-unquote Disney characters like, well, Sully. Fozzie Bear. Buzz Lightyear. Link Hogthrob. Doug. Janice. Merida. Pepe. Bruce. Ralph the Dog. Wally. The Disney Indiana Podcast. Even after five years, we're still miles away from the nearest Main Street, USA. We're not listed on the map, but you can join us at www.disneyindiana.com. In 1972, a crack commando unit was sent to prison by a military court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security stockade to the Los Angeles underground. Today, still wanted by the government, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire the A-Team. All right, welcome back. Yep, the A-Team. Now, this was one of the uh, TV to film adaptation things there. This show was a, a produced by NBC from 83 to 87. It ran for five seasons, although most fans of the show would uh, like to forget the fifth season. <laughs> uh, it revolved around a uh, United States Army Special Forces unit whose uh, members were court-martialed for a crime they didn't commit. They escaped their military prison and drive along the country in their big GMC van as uh, soldiers of fortune. So they kind of go out and do the vigilante justice, you know, to right any wrongs, whether it be from uh, bad law enforcement, uh, government, uh, the evil uh, bureaucrat or the uh, developer that wants to tear down the orphanage because they can't pay their rent. (laughs) If you can find the A-team, they will help you out. Uh, usually with a, a, a plan that is kind of like a Rube Goldberg of <laughs> of solutions and often ending with them having to construct some sort of tank out of a late model Chevy. <laughs> 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 yeah, the show starred George Pappard as uh, Hannibal Smith. Uh, what's his name? Uh, I almost said Benedict Cumberbatch, but it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's a lot older <laughs> than he looks. Dirk Benedict as a face man peck. Uh, Dwight Schultz as uh, Howling Mad Murdoch, and of course, Mr. T is B.A. Baracus. It's kind of himself. <laughs> it's kind of, yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, all of these characters were recreated for the 2010 film. Uh, right off the bat, I can't believe that it was 2010 that this film is now seven year, uh, at almost least seven years, years old, old, almost eight years old. I didn't think it was that long ago, <laughs> so that kind of surprised me. This film version, uh, Liam Neeson takes over the role of Hannibal Smith. Uh, we got uh, Bradley Cooper as Face. And let's see, I didn't 
it wasn't a name I was familiar with. This Charlton uh, uh, Copley as Murdoch. I've Did seen you him. Know in, him? Yes, I've seen him in a few things. Uh, I think probably what he's most famous for is playing Vicus in District Nine. Oh, interesting. You he's, know, I have got that film and have yet to watch it. It's I've, a great movie. That's what I, I know. Everyone I talk to says it's fantastic, and I have yet to actually sit down and watch it. It took me a while to sit down and watch it. I don't know. Something about the trailer just wasn't done right. And when I, you know, it was my brother saying, you need to watch this movie. You need to watch it. And I finally did, and I was like, holy crap, this is good. This is just one of those, like, really clever sci-fis that's got something to say, but it's not hitting yeah. you over the head with it. Um, you really feel for his character even though he starts out as a jerk cool All right. so he go he has a really clever arc and then the other movie i've seen him in recently um is this i don't know if it was an indie movie but it was definitely felt like one it came out um earlier this year called free fire hmm. where it, imagine if somebody said we are going to see the birth of a movie that is the love child of martin scorsese and um Quentin Tarantino. (laughs) Blanked for a second there. But yeah, Scorsese meets Tarantino. That's what Free Fire is because it's about this like drug deal between these two groups that don't really like each other and couple of the members have this past history Charlotte Copley's characters on one side and he's still that like high-pitched mm-hmm. sketchy looking kind of guy like a used car salesman turned right. gangster and a shootout occurs and like the entirety of the movie are these two groups in a warehouse on the ground shooting at each other okay hour and a half like that <laughs> And they're talking. You learn a lot about the characters. No random flashbacks. There's no like you just learn them through them yelling at each other and talking to each other on the side. Every so often, firing bullets at each other when they see somebody exposed. And he's right in the middle of that. And he's that character that you're just sort of like, I want you shot twice (laughs) because he plays skeevy so well. Well, rounding out this cast is Quentin Rampage Jackson. Never heard of him. <laughs> I had never heard of him uh, prior to this film. Uh, I, what exactly? I looked him up, and he seems to be one of those like wrestler MMA kind of people who was trying to break I into acting. Figured it was something along those lines. Yeah, I did too, because I was like, I have no idea who this guy is. He's built, um, comes out of nowhere. Um, he's one of the two people I would have recast. I don't really. Think, yeah, I mean, you're you're replacing Mr. T. You need a personality. You need someone who's kind of larger than life, you know. And I I didn't get that from him. I would have done like a Michael Jai White, hmm. or if you want someone even a little bit older than that, I would have done like a Vin Rains. I wanted gravitas i you know he did a good job but i did i actually thought he did really well i I wanted i wanted a scene stealer like that's who i wanted from this character i guess when he was doing his what i would call the mr t shtick you know when he's yelling and you know yelling at everybody yelling at murdoch or whatever i thought he nailed that you know he was great but yeah there's the other scenes where it's just was if it required him to just kind of sit and talk and be in the conversation yeah you felt like Wow, that's bland. Yeah, so I guess I understand. And so what that's what I want. I want yeah. someone who, even when it's just the sit and talk, he's intimidating. Mm. Whereas I was just like, oh, you're kind of a big puppy. I want to give you a hug. Like, you yeah, know, I okay. don't want to give BA a hug. I'm scared of him. <laughs> like, that's what I want from that right. character. Yeah, that's uh, interesting because in the show, uh, Mr. T was, of course, a big softy when it came to kids, but they didn't showcase that. They didn't showcase it exactly. Uh, well, even BA Brockus in the character in the show would you know you know i don't like it being picking on kids i mean he was 
really big into the, the, the helping the kids and everything too, but he never came across as the big softy. Mm-hmm. You never got that puppy dog feel right. from him. And I got that a lot from this character. Sure, okay, I can see that. You know, I want Michael J. White being there just like, mm, like because that's <laughs> who he can play so well. Well, let's back up and go back to, to uh, Liam Neeson as Hannibal Smith. He actually, I think, he did an okay job. Um, they dyed his hair or, or powdered his hair or whatever <laughs> to make it white to kind of go with George Papard's character. It looked ridiculous. It did. I don't know if they needed to do that. No, they really did not. Um, or at least they could have done something like in, you know, the opening of the movie, which is like, you know, it's kind of like the origin story, which kind of worried me a little bit. I go, oh, are we going to get an origin story movie? And I just kept going like the credits keep rolling. Like It's like a 20 minute. Yeah, yeah, it's a 20 minute credit scene. Yeah. Effectively. But then when it jumped forward eight years, I was like, okay, I get it. That's the first mission. That's what brought them together. I kind of like that story choice mm. of like, let's see the accident that brought these four together. And then you jump forward and you see how they know everything about each other. There's a long history. So it kind of played up both sides of it. Maybe if they, when they did the jump, they grayed his hair a little bit, but throughout and it just, like that's it not what you look like, like Liam. <laughs> it looked like a makeup job. Yeah, it, what it looked like. Uh, he went to the Halloween store, got the spray. The yeah. hair <laughs> <laughs> there. <laughs> yeah, they didn't need to do it. It. Yeah, I mean Liam Neeson. I guess in 2010 was just kind of starting his action hero phase. I yeah. Mean, now that's like all he does, and so maybe being that that was probably one of his early ones. Well, actually, Dark Man was his first action film, and mm. then <laughs> he kind of left action behind for a little bit. I think. Uh, so 2010, uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that was who I would have picked. I'm not sure who I would have gotten to replace him. It, it, it's hard to top uh, George Rappard kind of chewing the scenery as well as a cigar. Um, <laughs> so that's a little difficult. Yeah, he did a fine job. I just think the, the, the hair was – it kept kind of pulling me out because <laughs> just it looked horrible. Yeah, uh, it, it was quite glaring. <laughs> Character-wise, though, I mean – he was as he was in the show. You you didn't watch the show. I watched the show when I was a kid. I, it was just he's always the the man with the plan. Yeah. Um, as ridiculous as some of those plans can be, that was him. Um, just jumping in the story, you're talking about how they you know did the sort of origin of how they all got together, and then I thought it was interesting that they gave them sort of an origin of how they got together, and then the rest of the film is sort of the story that was. I don't know if it was ever actually told in episode form, but was how they got court-martialed. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that was actually the story that was given in the show. Like I said, I think it was done more probably in flashback or in exposition or Mm -hmm. something in the series. So they took that and actually made this film. The the idea in the series was they were ordered by uh, uh, the uh, General Masterson or whatever his name was to rob the Hanoi Bank. Yeah. And to... um, to cripple the war effort in Vietnam. And so they did it, but when they got back, they found out that Masterson's been murdered, and he was the only one that could confirm that they were given orders to do this, and so they get court-martialed. So you can see where the film kind of follows that that, 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 that story, line. Yeah, that yet-to-be-told story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I thought it was interesting. Yeah, I like that, too, because I was following that because I, I knew about the show and I knew what the premise was. And I was just sort of sitting there going like, oh, they're not they're not, you know, 
in trouble yet. Like they're like they're they're part of the, the army and everything. And then what happened? I was like, oh, I get it. You can kind of just lead into the show now if you yeah. want it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This actually ends up being sort of a prequel, right? <laughs> to the to the series. a retold later prequel. Yeah. Uh, I do question Hannibal's plan in the film that you know any plan that requires you to actually endure torture. <laughs> Well, yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't think that's a good plan. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> I guess it did work. I did like that one scene though when he's in the prison and he's like you give me a minute I'm good. Yes. You give me an hour I'm great. You give me 6 months I'm unbeatable. That's and I'm just sort of line. like yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, was a wonderful. Good line, yeah. Now and he did deliver those lines really well including the you know i love it when a plan comes together right which, was which like, is just the a hannibal, hokey thing well, that's the hannibal catchphrase right but he made it work <laughs> exactly now the character i don't think they got exactly right uh is face okay uh templeton peck is the character in the show played by uh, dirk benedict and he was the face man of the group he was the wheeler dealer he was the one that would go in if they needed to you know have a I um reputable looking reputable looking person to go in and uh, get the loan or to buy the car or whatever. That's what Face did. He was sort of the PR man, mm-hmm. uh, always dressed, you know, always suit and tie kind of thing, whatever. And not the uh, in the film, I think they kind of and, and Bradley Cooper. They he was practically a like a toned down Murdoch. It was like Kevin two crazy people <laughs> and they just for some reason they called him face because he was the handsome one it right. seemed and like so i think they kind of missed the mark on that one yeah uh there were a couple of like i think there was one scene where you saw him like pickpocketing people and he was the one gathering items but they didn't do enough to kind of embrace certain elements of the show like that that was one of them the other this kind of bothered me um that they destroy the van yeah I was. I kept waiting for the van to come back. I kept waiting, like you know, we need a ride. I have a ride. Like I was waiting for that moment. I'm like, I don't know much about the show. I know the van. Yeah. I know the A team van, and there it is. It's ridden in once, not by all four of them at any moment, and you destroy it, mm-hmm. and you never bring it back. Like that's kind of a kick in the teeth to the show. Yeah, it is like you know, you don't blow up the Batmobile and never let Batman <laughs> drive it. You know what I mean? Like get in the damn van already. Yeah, that was uh, surprising. Uh, well, first time I watched it, and they, they yeah, the uh, helicopter knocks off like the, the AC unit or something just off the building. Smash! It just yeah, it completely just destroys the van. I'm like, oh, well, that's different. <laughs> and I feel like BA's reaction was probably the reaction of a lot of fans who were just no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could have. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know the point of why they did that because. You could have easily, yeah, like you said, brought it back later in the film. Right. Or it's eight years later. He's worked on it. <laughs> or I mean, they had hoped that they would be able to do a sequel. Uh, box office didn't uh, agree with that. Right. But certainly, that would have been a chance to spin it into a sequel of them in the van after you know escaping once again or whatever. Even in the in the end, a little credit montage or something. See them peeling out it. with the van. Yeah. Ah, yeah, missed opportunity. <laughs> yeah, and I wouldn't have minded a sequel. I thought, you know, because you, you summed it up well. This was fun, stupid action, mm-hmm. and it was, and it was enjoyable. Like, overall, I yeah. like this movie. 
Now, did you watch uh, the? Apparently, I had the DVD from the library, and there was the theatrical version, and then there was an extended version. Do you have any idea which one? I'm pretty sure it was the extended version because okay. I remember reading that like there were certain like cameos cut. Okay, and I saw them. That explains. So I was like, I was, explains that too. That uh, there were supposedly cameos from Dirk Benedict and Dwight Schultz, yeah. and I didn't see it, but I. I chose the theatrical version okay. to watch. Yeah, it was it was still two hours long, and it was like 11, 10, 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> so it's like, I'll just go with the shorter of the two. I don't need extended right now. Right. I think the one I saw was like two hours and twenty minutes. Oh wow, something so like that. I, there is quite a bit more. Yeah, I mean, the cameos were kind of fun. One stood out because I didn't. I they aren't actors whose faces I recognize, mm-hmm. and Mr. T was the only one who didn't cameo of the original four. But there's one that I was like, I'm betting that was a cameo just because the way they shot it and the way they held the camera on. So it's a part where... Uh, only George Papard. I think he, he passed away, so I don't think he... Oh, okay. Well, then there were two others. two of them, I think. Okay. Well, there, there there's a scene... I looked it up and I oh, okay. didn't um, pay attention I to the I could be names. wrong. No, I don't know. Um, but because there's a scene where Face is like he's in the prison mm-hmm. and he's you know he's heading to like the, the tanning booth, but then someone else in the prison steps out of a tanning booth and then he's like holding... Bradley Cooper's like, you know, holding up this moisturizer and he says like, oh, it says it can do this, this, but you know, how do you help the face? And there's the original actor and he goes, just don't mess with it. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just puts on a robe and he walks away. Nice. And then there's a part where, uh, where Murdoch is in a, a mental asylum and they're giving him electroshock therapy. And then all of a sudden it cuts to these two doctors and it's supposed to be like two of two actors from the show one oh, being the original murdoch Dwight Schultz, right okay interesting i wonder who else they got then I, i'm not sure yeah i knew that those two were in it uh for sure and yeah like i said i if they were there i, I read where they were supposed to be and i like I, I i missed it so i figured that must be in the, in the extended version there mm. I also heard that Dirk Benedict, apparently, if, if IMDb's believe, he says he was actually kind of embarrassed that he ended up doing the cameo and he never watched the film. Oh, wow. <laughs> so that's interesting. I think it's a little harsh. I wonder if that's just more of based on the box office. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, it didn't do well. Uh, nothing yeah, to do I with it. Yeah, exactly, I think like, that's exactly. I think If you haven't it. seen it, yeah, how I think can it's you a little be... unfair. I think right. it's unfair. Yeah. Watch it, then judge it. Don't right. say, oh, I'm embarrassed for it. Why? Because it didn't do well? You have no opinion on it. You didn't see it. Right. I guess if he went to the theater to see it, he wouldn't have seen himself anyway. So. <laughs> yeah, they cut you. Yeah. And then the other person I would have recast would be, would have been Jessica Biel's character. Oh, yeah. Well, she could have been played by anybody. But I think you could have brought more to it because there were certain lines where I'm just like, you didn't deliver on that and you didn't deliver on that one. And there was no chemistry. And I think your character could have been like a little bit more serious rather than like a gag. Right. Yeah, she was just a character. She was, a, I guess, a member of the CIA or some government agent that uh, was out trying to track the, the Department team of Defense, I think. The DOD. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think you're right. Um and she was just trying to track the team down, and she had a past relationship with uh, with Peck, with Face. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it just doesn't – not a lot of chemistry between them. Um, not a lot of chemistry with the camera, honestly. No. Uh, I, Jessica Biel, I think, is a fine actress, but in this, yeah, she seemed like she was just kind of walking through it. Yeah, I think this was that point where she was trying to make a career and – you know, in movies, and it just wasn't working. I would have done like a Charlize Theron. I think that would have been good. Hmm. She's always a great actress, and she brings a lot. And I think she could have done more with those lines. I think she probably even could have negotiated more <laughs> <laughs> to have herself in the movie more and mm-hmm. just take her seriously. 
Because, yeah, like, the character as it is, I'm just sort of like, you kind of got, like, handheld through the movie. You, mm-hmm. you know, everything was done for you. You didn't make anything happen. Right. Now, what did you think of um, uh, the character, the actor we were just talking about playing Murdoch, who was, you know, the insane pilot? He was my favorite character in the movie. Sure. And um, I think he was probably the you know the highlight of the series as well. Yeah, I mean, it was just so much fun watching him. It's just the things he would come up with, and he's like, like, did he just roll a helicopter? <laughs> like, that's not <laughs> supposed to happen, <laughs> um, you know. And just, I, I think I would have liked to have seen them just take it further. Of like, you know, he's able to fly things that shouldn't fly. Like, mm-hmm. you know, just strap some wings on it. I'll get it. Like, it's a washing machine. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, instead, he's given like government planes, and he's right. doing these things with it. Like, they did a little bit in the beginning of it a junky hospital helicopter uh, down in Mexico mm-hmm. and he gets the most out of it. But I just would have seen, liked to have seen like he's just in a little prop plane. He's going up against like, a, you know, a fighter jet and he's still doing better and things like that. He was fun in the series uh, along those lines. It was pretty much anything. If you, if you could fly or drive, I mean, he was the one behind the wheel. Yeah. And I remember there was one line about gets in some big old truck or something like that. Can you drive it? And if it had wings, I could fly it. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I would have liked to have seen. Yeah. Pretty, uh, pretty good. No, he did a fantastic job. Yeah. Um, and he really seemed to kind of, he was definitely one that I feel like, maybe watch the series probably like oh i get to play that guy yeah he channeled that guy you know (laughs) he channeled dwight schultz yeah and the other thing i liked was kind of like this relationship he had with each character whereas Mm -hmm. like hannibal respected him face was afraid of him right (laughs) and then he had this like good brotherly uh link up with ba of kept trying to ingratiate himself with him right look you drugging you was their idea yes this this food you love my idea (laughs) right or or when they're still in uh was it uh was it afghanistan or wherever wherever the movie opened Mm -hmm. um you know, and, and B.A.'s in, in the container and he's like punching the door. He's like, hold on. I think I have an idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll make you these really good, <laughs> these treats. With the nuts? <laughs> yeah. With the toast points? Of course with the toast point. <laughs> Opens the door. All right. <laughs> Gets under yeah, him a little that bit. That was kind of cute. That yeah. was funny. And, yeah, and that just keeps coming up. And I just like that part where he's in the mental hospital and he's got the 3D glasses and he's just handing them out. And he's like, I knight you of the 3D realm. And, <laughs> and then when he puts the glasses on and the movie starts running, one, I like the shout out by playing the soundtrack, the, mm-hmm. the theme mm-hmm. song. Oh, it goes beyond that. Go ahead. Right. Well, and then the the truck's getting closer and closer. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, oh, I know it's about to happen. <laughs> and it just crashes through. And then everyone pauses for a minute. Then, what? Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was great. And he led that whole thing. And then he jumps in. Then he's still got the glasses on. And they're shooting. I can see the bullets. It's like they're really coming at me. <laughs> he made that whole thing work. That was uh, the 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 film the little three D film that was showing I thought was fun. A yes, they were showing they they were playing the theme of the original series uh, as the soundtrack, but the uh, the names that were coming up as the credits were all uh, characters that the actors played in other roles. Oh, very nice. So you saw like uh, Reginald Barkley was Dwight Schultz's character in um, the Next Generation Star Trek: The Next Generation. Great, and I think uh, Banachek came up and that was george papard's uh, uh mystery movie uh film character so i thought that was kind of yeah that was kind of cute it's a moment where someone just had fun <laughs> yeah exactly and you know people that know fans of the actors will go oh yeah i know <laughs> look at that that's funny 
No, fun scene. And I like, <laughs> and it's that's the perfect example of the kind of action that this is. The series was the same way, and the film embraced that is the impossible. You know, how in the world would anyone know that? the exact the timing okay they're going to be able to get this film playing at just this scene and then the truck blows through and then of course uh jessica beale's character standing right there but just far enough away that she doesn't get run over or smashed by bricks and it's all you know everyone's fine yeah <laughs> no one gets hurt it's like that's the a team yep <laughs> that scene right there pretty much encapsulates everything about the series that's probably why i liked it so much <laughs> <laughs> And then, you know, it just keeps going and then they're in the plane and the drones are after them. And I just love that part of like, oh, the ship blew up. And I'm thinking like, okay, I know they're alive. How are they alive? And then you see the tank falling and Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's great. It's stupid, but great. And they start flying the tank. Right. (laughs) You can't fly a tank, fool. (laughs) I am. And that that was probably overall my favorite aspect of the movie is just when it's the four of them yelling at each other. Mm-hmm. Like that happens like a good three or four times throughout the movie. And I'm just like, this is where you could see like the four actors are having fun and they're really embracing the characters. And it's just, it's just everyone's talking at the same time yeah. and it's madness. And that, if you pay attention, you're hearing really funny things get said and it's mm-hmm. just, da, 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 da. <laughs> That's and that is something you see rarely in any film is the idea of actors talking over each other's lines for anything. Not only do you have actors you know, yelling and screaming and talking over each other's other each other's lines, you've got explosions and gunfire and them doing stuff and action going on at the same time, really making you kind of focus. It's one of those things where you need to watch the scene a couple times. To hear it all. you're distracted because you get distracted by somebody or you get distracted by what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, it's. It's surprisingly like that's a fun way to make a movie. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and on that, I think that's where it's disappointing that the box office didn't do better, that we didn't get a sequel. Yeah. Because I think that's the kind of stuff they probably would have kind of honed in on. And went, that was a really great moment. People love that. Let's do it again. <laughs> <laughs> right. I would have loved to have seen more with the van. <laughs> with the damn van in the movie. Totally. Don't, don't flatten it. <laughs> there was apparently a uh, – there's been polls about – what shows people would like to see revamped into, you know, modern series. And the A-Team has topped the polls over, like, Dukes of Hazards and Hawaii Five-0 and everything. You know, we get a Hawaii Five-0, and we've got a MacGyver all from the same, well, Hawaii Five-0 predates this, but MacGyver, you know, certainly about the same time and everything. But no A-Team series. Right. <laughs> and honestly, if this film had done better, I wonder. You know, right, yeah. I they could have definitely spun it into a uh, into a series just based off this film. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of wonder, well, maybe you couldn't have gotten the likes of Bradley Cooper. And I wonder if at that time, if you could have gotten Liam Neeson to do a television series. Maybe. Yeah, I could see that. I don't. I, you could probably get him to do it now, but... In the interim, you wouldn't, I don't think. No. <laughs> now it's kind of a big thing. Big actors do TV series. It's kind of a big thing, especially if you get on something like Netflix or something like that, originals. Yeah. yeah. It pays just as well. Exactly. Yeah, I could definitely see, them, like you, like we were saying, you know, that this kind of turns into the uh, the prequel of the series uh, and the origin story. And you could just, yeah, in the end, just have them escaping, finding the van. <laughs> Fix the damn <laughs> Off van. they go. It would have been fun. The rest of the plot is very much just like that scene in the insane asylum. 
is everything is relying on chance <laughs> and everything being exactly in the exact place you need it at that precise moment to the point of that's not possible. <laughs> right. And it makes me wonder, like, you know, because you can interpret it both ways of like, this is a team that relies on happy accidents or did Hannibal plan it that way? Because he makes himself <laughs> seem like he's the smartest person on the planet. That mm -hmm. Did he somehow know that the film was rolling and that he could crash in at that moment? You know, did he know that, like, hey, if this plane gets shot down, we still have a tank? <laughs> like, well, and why would you even need the film rolling? If they're going to bust through the building wall... What's with the distraction with the movie? You really don't need that. Do timing you? is everything. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, in the in the end, the the grand scheme, I'm not going to give all the plots and twists and turns away and everything. Um, I will mention that Gerald McGraney, who was another '80s TV star, uh, makes an appearance. He was the uh, the general, his friend, the general at oh, the beginning. Yeah. Um, he was in Simon and Simon, which is another series that I really enjoyed. And surprised they haven't tried to do anything with that one. Yeah, so I'm not going to give all the plots and everything away, but yeah, in the end, the um, the final plan is incredibly complicated yep. and doesn't go according to plan. Or does it? Or Yeah, or does it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but in the end, everyone makes it out okay. Right. Um, there are deaths in this film. Yes. Uh, where they switch. They did not have the deaths. In fact, there are what I would consider innocent deaths. And people, that's the one kind of issue maybe I have with the film is our heroes. I mean, granted, these guys are, you know, the leaders of the teams are, it turns out to be uh, kind of no good. Or, or corrupt, you know, these different CIA, CIA agents or whatever they were turned out to be a bit corrupt, fine. But the men that are under them who end up taking the brunt and the, the explosions, I'm thinking, well, those are kind of innocent bystanders, aren't right. they? They're just following orders. Right. <laughs> like, forget breaking out of prison that puts you back in, in jail. It's you murdered some CIA agents. Yeah. Yeah. There I might have I have a little bit of an issue with that. Although I kept wondering, like, because, you know, again, without giving too much away, but that part where, like, you know, it's revealed, like, you know, when the when the container, like, gets lifted up and, and like, everyone's there holding their gun. I kept going, like, are they with Jessica Biel's character or are those the SWAT guys we saw before? Before. Mm. Like, did they not actually get blown up? Was it smoke and mirrors? Mm. They didn't. Like, that was my question, and maybe I was just wrong to have that question. Yeah. But I don't know. I get the impression when the when uh, B A or whatever throws the torches and it right. sends the flames and the, mm -hmm. and the vehicles explode and everything. There's people standing there. I'm thinking they got blown up. I'm like, those are just poor innocent agents who were just following orders right. here. Uh, that. Gonna be a lot of twenty-one gun salutes going on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That was something that the series, being the fact that it's on primetime you know, television, uh, didn't do. I mean, there was a lot of gunplay. You know, the A team had an unlimited supply of ammunition, <laughs> and uh, I don't remember anyone ever actually getting shot. <laughs> it was always the uh, the the bullets strafing right in front of you. Uh, you know, the the pole next the wall next to you gets blasted. Uh, it, it becomes kind of a war of attrition. Whoever runs out of ammunition first or <laughs> happens to get the drop on the guy, that's who wins the fight. Um, yeah, everyone always 
you know, the explosions, you see the, the Jeep overturned after getting hit by a, a rocket-propelled grenade, but then you see the guys, uh, uh, crawling right. out. <laughs> I guess that's one of those things you kind of have to upgrade. You know, yeah. if you're going to make this movie in 2010, it's like, mm-hmm. I, I don't think audiences would have bought that. It would have embraced the show more, but I think I think you would have had even a, a lower turnout. Yeah. Oh, no, I wasn't suggesting that the, uh, no, I know. the film do that. It's just... Now I'm watching it, and I've got thinking, well, wait a minute. Those guys were killed. Yeah. That, <laughs> it wasn't their did, fault. They didn't deserve that. <laughs> yeah. And it was one of those movies that kind of like, you know, that like Black Dynamite pointed out of, no, this is the real bad guy. No, this is the real bad guy. just kept climbing up the ladder, and I kept going, how many last missions are they going to have? <laughs> like, uh, I've got 40 minutes left, and you've stopped the bad guy. <laughs> Another favorite scene of mine was the CIA, I guess, come in and collect. Jessica Biel has who we think is the big bad mm-hmm. in custody. CIA comes in and grabs him, takes him. And they're driving down the street. Oh, and it, I know where you're going. And it turns out they're, well, they're CIA. So, you know, they're not above uh, eliminating a problem or whatever. Right. <laughs> guy next to him with the with the gun trying to put the first of all he's like what are you doing what he can't handle it he's got he's the gun between, between his legs. legs he's trying to like it's, it's kind of pointing right at him counterclockwise <laughs> the, the, the guy that is probably going to get shot is sitting there telling this guy how to who taught you to handle a weapon right what is that it's a silencer no it's a suppressor <laughs> <laughs> it was a great scene and he finally like look i don't care just don't let me shit don't Kill me! Don't let this guy kill me. Right, you can kill me, <laughs> anybody, but not him. <laughs> yeah, anybody but him. It's like, don't put it to my chest. Put it to my head. It's like, really? Is that going to go through and hit him? Like, you know, just do. It. And then all of a sudden, he's unhandcuffed himself, and he elbows the guy, grabs the gun, then he hands it to the other guy. He's like, here, you hold this. Like, that was cool. <laughs> and you can see, yeah, they're CAA. They're more about intelligence. They're not. They don't get their hands dirty. They've never really handled a gun before. Right. And so they're all – and, like, there's that one part where he's like, it's like Call of Duty. Like, they're they're dorks. Uh-huh. And I, I thought that was really clever of, like, yeah, they're the bad guys, but they suck at being the bad guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, it would just – it would be just a really fun scene. It was just some of the humor that gets thrown into this film that yeah. just – yeah. I, I keep. I'm gonna have to keep saying it though. It's just. It's disappointing. It didn't do better. Yeah, I th- and I, I really don't know why it didn't do better because it's a fun movie. I'm really curious as to, you know, what did it go up against? Did it was it a bad opening? Did they open it the wrong time of the year? Was it up against? Uh, I don't know what else was playing in 2010, but there had to have been something else because there's just no reason that this shouldn't have done. When you think about like how popular like fast and the furious films and stuff where none of them are any more intelligent than this. Yeah, I agree. Most of them are even, you know, less intelligent and And still the same amount of just stupid fun action. Why did is was it just too much? Was it just, it became just one of many. Yeah, because I, I was even thinking that as I was watching. I was like, this reminds me of The Fast and the Furious. It kind of goes in that same vein of, like, it's a ridiculous plan and we're going to have to improvise and, you know, the accidents somehow help us because, right. you know, the plot says it should. And But now I'm looking it up now and seeing some of the movies that came out that year. I don't know, like, when they came out, but, like, this is the year that we had Inception, mm-hmm. Toy Story 3, Black Swan. Social Network, Shutter Island, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, The King's Speech, um, the first Kick-Ass movie came out, The Town. 
um, Iron Man 2. So I can mm. see how it kind of got shuffled Could've in. Could have gotten lost amongst the rest. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of action movies in there. A lot of, you know. Well, a lot of action and a lot of uh, big, big box office. Right. Yeah, Academy Award kind of mm-hmm. nominated type films. And, yeah. Hmm. The first, well, the second to last Harry Potter movie came out that year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so With a lot that of... that much, I have to think one was stumbling on another. Right, because I'm, I'm seeing other movies. I'm like, oh, yeah, that didn't do well. Like, uh, The Other Guys came out. That was another, like, action comedy movie. Um, Grown Ups came out. I don't think anyone saw that. Um, <laughs> Unstoppable. <laughs> that was that movie with Denzel Washington and... Mm. Um, Chris Pine with the train. So like oh, those okay. those movies didn't do well. Um, so yeah, I think it was just one of those like if it maybe came out a different year. Because I I kept thinking like kind of came out a little too late. I think if it came out like five years earlier, it would have had like a a bigger bigger audience. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, and maybe it just kind of got lost in the shuffle, and it was just became like oh another another one another silly action film. Yeah, interesting. Well, it's unfortunate we didn't get any more. Uh, it would have been fun. Obviously, everybody has gone on to do bigger and better uh, <laughs> better things. Of course, I guess Liam Neeson has gone on to be effectively Hannibal uh, just without the, the white uh, sprayed hair. <laughs> Was, would there have been anyone you would have recast or were you like kind of happy with, with everything? I thought I was – I thought it was okay. Uh, Liam Neeson is not the person, like I said, I, I don't think I would have chosen him, but I honestly, I, I'm i not sure who I would have had as a replacement. Would you have wanted like maybe more of a campy kind of actor or more of a serious actor? I don't want anyone that's going to go too far over the top. Like I said, what I think uh, Bradley Cooper character, I think, did. And I think that was maybe more writing and directing. Wasn't wasn't actor um, it's just that's the way that character was written and that's the way he played it. And so I think that was a mistake. That was a misstep. Uh, Hannibal was, I think, written fine and maybe just the actor wasn't perfect for it. Um, yeah, but I'm I'm terrible at that game. So, <laughs> okay. Uh, at, the, at the recasting game because that's when I'm like, I, I can't think of anybody, you know. Gotcha. <laughs> Especially back in 2010, you know, who would have been perfect for it and... Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't be able to come up with anybody. All right. I definitely wouldn't want anyone more, you know, like a comical character, which is, you know, something that they tend to like to do, like we discussed with these films, is, oh, let's take somebody funny, and, you know, and we don't want the Seth Rogen as Hannibal. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, Tom Hanks with white hair or something would be horrible, you know, would not have worked. George Clooney with white hair. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're on board with that. <laughs> Actually, I don't know. George Clooney, I wonder if he, maybe. I mean, he's already kind of got the gray in hair anyway, he, and he did even then. I mean, honestly, didn't he? I mean, he's yep. always been kind of gray. I don't know. It might have been fun to see him if he could have. problem with George Clooney is he tends to play it all like his life depends on it. Yeah. he he's a very He seems very serious in all his roles, even when he's trying to be kind of funny. It doesn't come across that way. It's a way. dry humor. It's a dry humor. And it might have been fun if you could have really got him to let go, I think, as far as just the type of person, the type, the look, mm-hmm. I think he would have fit better. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And then, uh, so, my only complaints were really just writing and directing. 
with misstep with some of the characters. Like we're saying, um, Jessica Bill's character was throwaway. And honestly, you didn't even need her there. She barely helped with the plot at all. All right. But one more rewrite, you could have eliminated her character altogether. Probably, yeah. Um, yeah, Face, I think, was a misstep. Murdoch, they did fine. And I, I wondered how much of that, though, was that particular actor went, okay, I'm going to do it like this. Because yeah. That's the way Joy Schultz did it. And he was great. Sure. Because uh, he definitely seemed like the one that was truly, well, I'll, I'll give it to, um, I can't think of a name, play the BA. Um, uh, Quentin Jackson. Quentin Jackson. I think he did a little bit of the same thing. I, I have to think those two at least went back and watched some episodes to see what it was that they were playing and you know, tried to sort of mimic that a little. Sure. And I think those worked really well. Great. And then you said like the writing and directing, cause you know, we were looking it up like Joe, uh, Joe, Joe Carnahan. I think yeah, something like that it was a name we hadn't, neither one of us really recognized him. Carlahan. Yeah. Joe Carnahan. Yeah, we didn't really recognize him. I, I recognized a couple of the titles, but it seemed like he does like a lot of like writing directing combos and I wonder how much maybe this movie would have benefited from like a split of like one person wrote it, one person directed it, mm, rather mm-hmm. than like I have my vision, I'm this going is to it. You're right. Yeah. And if it you know, if you just kind of spread the creativity a little bit, maybe we could have gotten something a little bit more polished. Yeah, exactly. Uh yeah, if someone had um had written it. I think that may have helped with the uh, the face character. Mm. Um, maybe it was somebody. His direction, I think, was was fine. Um, as far as I mean, this kind of a film, it's kind of just a uh, a montage film. Yeah, scene to scene. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's just kind of like action film, but letting the actors kind of just chew it up mm-hmm. and, and and go full bore over each other and everything was, you know, a great choice. So maybe it's the writing that, you know, maybe that's not for me anyway, that maybe that's not his strong point. He could have directed it just fine, but I would have liked maybe another writer to have a go with it. Yeah. Or maybe a, uh, a co-writer, mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe someone a little bit more familiar with the show. I don't know how familiar <laughs> the show was, he, he was with it either. So if you're writing it, I have to think you've got to have some familiarity. I mean, you would hope. I think when you destroy the van, you're telling people, I'm not doing the show. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing my thing. Yeah. Like, uh, that was a message. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, good point. Right in the beginning. <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe, uh, and that's maybe that's why, you know, he knew he had to have a face character, mm-hmm. but the character that he was in the series wouldn't have worked for the film. Yeah. Because then you actually have to, you got to write a lot of people talking and, mm-hmm. and doing things that normal people would have to do, you know, and that's not what this film is. Right. <laughs> this is definitely not a film with normal people. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so maybe it was just a it was that 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 kind of decision. This is, mm. this is what we, that has to be done to make the movie. Still, overall, I think a very good movie that probably should have done better than it did. Yeah, and it, it is fun. I mean, I remember watching it the first time and going, "That was actually a lot of fun." And then <laughs> watching it the second time, surprising how much I didn't actually remember from the first watch. But still sitting there, that's a lot of fun. <laughs> you remember the tank, though, which I think is kind of unforgettable. Yeah. You cannot forget them flying a tank. <laughs> yeah, but I like I, I didn't remember them destroying the van. I didn't even remember most of the whole that the the credit sequence. Strangely enough, I was wondering, I was like, 
Is that different in the extended version? Because I don't remember any of this. It went on for a while. Yeah. And then uh, I think I glanced down and looked up and like, well, why are they all together in like Afghanistan or whatever? I missed the eight years later or something. Yeah, it says uh, eight years and 80 successful missions later. I think that was the other thing is they made it that this is a great group. Like Mm -hmm. they're kind of revered throughout the army. There's the one point where they get on the plane and the worm goes, that's Hannibal Smith. Right. I love that aspect of they have a reputation. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, wasn't it when they uh, they hijacked the one plane? You know, ask the guys. Yeah. You know, have you ever met a uh, you know, what did they say? A escaped prisoner and a uh, like uh, like armed and uh, fugitive. Like, well, we, we're both. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so you're taking the plane? Yeah, yep. <laughs> they just let it just walk off. <laughs> that was actually kind of fun. That's the kind of thing I kind of wish there was a little bit more of. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> instead of just blowing them up, <laughs> right. <laughs> No, good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I had a feeling you would because I mean, you're you're not opposed to stupid action. Not right? at all. I know that. And this is definitely that kind of movie. All right. Well, we are going to watch something that you suggested uh, next time. We're going to watch 21 Jump Street. Another stupid action movie. Yeah. <laughs> this should be interesting. I watched the series when I was younger, but I, I don't remember much about it. It's probably yeah. better. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair enough. It'll be interesting. It'll be fun to watch. And... um Hey, we'll be back in a couple weeks to discuss that one. So any thoughts on this or 21 Jump Street or anything else we've talked or any more of your favorite uh, television to film adaptations or, you know, for the why not you know, the other way? What things have been in the film that you that have gone to TV that you really enjoyed? Any more feedback? You know, we've got a few we had a few comments on our Facebook group on that subject. So any more you want to add, go ahead and do so. That's going to do it. Uh, I don't think we have anything else to say on the A-team. All right, we're done. We'll catch you guys in a couple weeks. Thanks, everyone. Bye. I love it when a plan comes together. <laughs>